Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Omar Project. But before we get started, I want to make sure I invite you to join the theomarproject.com. That's spelled O-M-A-R, because you can get a lot of great insight on project management, the skills you need to up your game, and also learn from the best project managers in the world on the most complex projects. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Omar Project. And today we will be talking about contract. Specifically, we're only going to be talking about two types because we can get into enough on these two types that we don't need to get too much into the weeds on all the other types there are. These two, if you know these two, I think you'll be very confident going into any negotiation, any type of scenario where they may get more complex because they're all based off these two. These are the fundamentals. So let's get started. What are the two types of contracts? The first is a lump sum contract. Lump sum. What does that mean? It means you pay a fixed amount of money for some sort of production or something to be completed after a period of time. This is also commonly referred to as a fixed fee contract. These are extremely common in your personal day-to-day life. In most business situations, if you don't get into too much complexity, these are the most simplistic types of contracts. Basically means you provide something to me and I pay you a fixed amount and that's that's what we agree to. So in a personal setting, it's like when you have stuff at your house with a pool person or you're installing a pool or if you're installing anything, they come and they look at your house, they do the estimates and everything. And then they come back to you and say, hey, this pool is going to be $30,000. Are you going to go forward with it? And you tell them, yes, I want that pool, put it in. That's the deal. It's $30,000. They tell you it's going to be six weeks, eight weeks, whatever. Now with COVID, maybe three months. But that's how a lump sum fixed contract works. Now, why would you want to get into type of contract like this? Number one, it's simple. doesn't take a lot of administrative work. So you know what you're going to get at the end of the day, and you know that the contractor is responsible for delivering it. So if it doesn't go right, what are you going to do? You're going to say, hey, contractor, why didn't it finish on time? Why weren't you able to finish it? The other part of this is that the cost risk is capped. This is a huge benefit for a lump sum contract. You know exactly the final cost or what it should be. Now, there are some scenarios where lump sum can be a little risky, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. The other portion of this is where the majority of the risk or the bulk of the risk is being absorbed by the contractor. So what does that mean? Say this pool manufacturer or pool contractor is putting in this pool, and they didn't do a really good survey, and they didn't realize that there was a natural gas line or some sort of line running underneath your ground. And all of a sudden, they've got to call in facilities and they've got to call in specialists, blah, blah, blah. And they've got to get that thing fixed. But that adds $15,000 to their contract, right? Now, if you have a true fixed fee contract, lump sum contract, you contractually can tell them, guys, like you charged me this much money. You said you're going to get it done. You came out here and did your estimates. You're supposed to do all the due diligence. I'm not paying you anymore. Get the pool done for this much cost. You can say those things as long as in contract, you have a true delivery of what you were going to state. So what does that mean? It means that the contractor takes on the risk of things coming up. They take on the risk of discovery work. They take on the risk of commodities increasing in cost. They take the material risks. If delays happen with their material or equipment, that's all on the contract. 
So it is a position where, from the looks of it, in many situations, somebody who's trying to set up these contracts, it could be beneficial to you. But notice the one most important thing about lump sum contracts. If you're looking into doing a lump sum contract, they're great in so many ways, but you need to understand the scope very well. I've never put in a pool myself and I've never put in a pool in general, but I understand the pool should look like at the end. I understand kind of like the quality of the pool should be like, hey, no rough edges in the pool. You know, it should look very nice. But like I could do that and check that myself and say, yeah, they did a good job. It's done. I can figure out when it's done. I also know that there's some steps involved. Like they're going to have to dig a hole. They're going to pour some concrete or whatever and put a liner, fill it with water. I kind of know the general steps of it. It's not complex, right? Lump sum contracts work well when you understand and you give clear direction what needs to be done. That it's you can visualize basically all the steps, all the details of what has to happen. It works really, really well. Where people can get stuck, and this is where I talk, there are some risks that are associated with lump sum, is when you don't understand the details at all, lump sum can become very dangerous. Why? Because what will a contractor do when you're telling them, hey, I only want to do a lump sum contract with you. I want to cap my downside. So what do you think they're going to do? They're going to come to you and they're going to say, well, look, this gal is asking me to, to develop this thing. I really don't understand if they're going to change. Like They don't seem to know what they're doing. So, all right, I'll give them a price, but I'm going to make sure that we're going to have change orders adjusted in this. And that's where you may get some contracts where it's a lump sum on the, on the front end, but you may have change orders come in. And they'll change order you to death, where every time something changes that you didn't have in your initial lump sum contract, your fixed fee, because you're not going to know. Let's dig into this a little bit more. So let's say something that's more complex. Let's say we're building a bridge, right? And we're building it across a river. So this is a massive bridge. It's a huge project. And we want to do this lump sum, the whole thing, lump sum, right? Well, I can start this project off lump sum. But what the contract is going to do is the contract is going to say, okay, give it to us lump sum, but you're going to define a scope for us. Okay. So say I define a scope and I say, okay, I want a suspension bridge. I want it to be in this location here. And then I want it to actually land in this location across the river. Seems like a good enough scope. No, it's not detailed enough. So if a contractor takes that scope and they hear that you want lump sum, but they're a smart contract would do is they're going to take that and they say, yeah, I'll take a lump sum contract on that. Why? Because you're defining your scope without knowing anything about whether that's going to work or not. So let's say you do some geographic studies. Let's say you have politics get involved and the mayor of one town says they don't want it in that, that exact location because of some sort of environmental issues. All of a sudden, all those problems that you didn't spec out or you didn't, you didn't really understand the details of become your problem not the contractors, because you spec'd out something very specific with them and that's apparently not working. So they're going to go to you and say, hey, look, we tried to put it where you wanted it uh, in the spot you suggested, but it didn't work. So now we have to put it about a half mile away, or maybe it's even less than that. Maybe it's like, you know, just a little bit away from a difference, but, you know, we haven't done a ground survey there. We haven't done any engineering with that soil. We haven't done X, Y, Z, et cetera. And now we need to hit you with a change order. Well, guess what happens? That change order is oftentimes a tool for leveraging pricing on people. So that change order can now, because it's lump sum, you never, you may have not negotiated hourly rates or how this thing works. 
you now can be hit with cost of the change order, which could be really big, massive. And that's just one change order. That's going to trickle into dozens of change orders. That one change. That is the risk of lump sum. It is a great tool to use. And I love lump sum. Like fixed pricing is great. Don't get me wrong. It's wonderful. But you have to know where to apply it. Where in this case, let's use a bridge example, where would be an appropriate place to apply this would be after you've done all the engineering, after you've figured out with extreme detail and extreme confidence that you want to exact this space, you've gotten approvals from the government, you've gotten all your EPA and your environmental approvals, you know the soil works, you know the concrete works, you know the engineering works. Okay, now let's do a lump sum for just the construction portion of it because everything else has been worked out and I'll, here I'll even give you the plans. Okay, fine. Do the lump sum. No problem. But before you get all that detail, don't do a lump sum. It's a world to hurt. Next type of contract, which is the second. So if it's not fixed price, and actually let's touch on how contractors make money on a fixed price. The contractors take all of their materials. They take their engineering hours. They take the people, the labor hours. They create their own estimate. On a fixed price firm contract, they're actually creating a schedule they're creating their own internal estimates using their own hourly rate structures. They know the price that that's going to cost them to where if it goes underneath that price, they're actually losing money. And they have a margin on top of that. So they'll add a margin to it. And then on top of the margin, they'll add a risk fee. Basically, all the things that they think could go wrong, they'll price into the lump sum. That's why it's also important that you have a very well-defined, because if you don't have a very well-defined project and you want a lump sum, somebody will give it to you but the price will be absolutely crazy because they're going to price in all the risks that could potentially come up. So that's how they make money. Basically, it's margin and it's scope. That's how lump sums make money. Now, that drives a certain type of behavior. So like, say you want to talk to the contractor and you want to ask him for things during the job. They're going to be like, no, no, I can't do that. We have a fixed fee. I can't go off my schedule. Like, I have to finish with that. If you want to do that, that's a change order. It's going to drive that type of discussion with them. They will stick to that thing because that's what's making them money. And they're not going to do extra stuff because they're not going to want to do extra stuff because they've already got their margins built. Now, there's another type of contract, which is very common, called an hourly rate or a time and material contract. This is the two main different types. A time and material contract, when you're working with different vendors, essentially works like this. You give me your hourly rate for the people that I'm hiring or that we are working towards, and I will pay you for their time usage. So you're paying for usage. On top of that, there's the material part. You will order all the stuff for me, you order the equipment, the materials. Let's go back to the pool example. If I'm the pool guy, I'm going to order all the pool, the cement, all this stuff, but you're actually going to list it out as the contractor and show me everything that you've ordered, the cement, the whatever, like all the equipment materials that they have. And you're going to put a markup on it. So you're going to agree to some sort of markup. It's going to be 15 or 20%. Usually that's typical. And they're going to mark that up. And then they're going to say, here's the material that we had to buy. And here's the 20% markup on top of all that material. So here's the price that you owe us. You're going to pay for the material plus the 20% markup. Very fair, right? Makes sense. Like they're showing you their receipts. In that case, they will show you the receipts. In lump sum, they won't show you the receipts. They don't need to. You already agreed on a fixed price. It includes everything. It's kind of a black box. Time and material is different. They will show you that. Now, why would you want to do an hourly and time and material contract? Where does it make sense? So just like I said, lump sum makes sense when you know it very well. Hourly is actually a really good contract when the details aren't very certain. 
So if you're designing something, so say for the engineering, for the conceptual engineering of the feasibility study or something on the bridge, that could be a good example for a lump sum. You don't know where it's going to go. So you may want to do hourly or time and material in the beginning because you don't know how much you're going to need. So it's a good way to try and prevent spending overspending. And it's also a good way to know that you can work with the contractor or vendor or whoever in a partnership type relationship. If you want to have a relationship where you can call them up whenever you want and ask them a question and get a response and not get like, hey, that's going to cost some more money. That's the type of relationship you want. You want a time and material because you're paying for, they're acting like contractors for you. They're acting like almost like the extension of employees for you. That's a great contract to set up. Now it's good. Like I said, if you don't understand the scope and if you want a great relationship with the contractor, if you want a true partnership, then it's really difficult with the lump sum contractor. The other thing it allows is it allows you to really put in any type of request on these people, any other skill sets you can use, which is awesome. Now, what's the downside of a time and material contract? Administratively, it's much more work because now you have to manage all the hours that are coming in. And how do they track this? Well, they do uh, time tracking, which basically means all the people that are working on that contract are going to write their time, just like lawyers do, you know, like sometimes 15, 30 minute increments. Engineering, they won't do that. They'll do hour increments. Um, and usually it's um, bigger blocks. So they'll say, okay, we've done 10 hours this week on this project. This guy's done five hours this week on this project. This guy's done 10. And you're going to get an invoice every month at the least, should be at the least by monthly. You can even do it more so, but that becomes administratively even more of a burden. But at the least on a month basis, like, hey, what did everybody do this last month? And you should get like a summary or like a one line bullet of this is what they did. This is what they worked on. These are the hours. Somebody on your side who's developing that contract needs to go through that and say, is this true or is this bullshit? Like, did they actually do all this stuff or is something in here showing up that shouldn't show up? Somebody's got to go through that and look at all these things. So that becomes the administrative burden of managing the time and material contract. On top of that, what type of behavior do you think a time and material contract incentivizes? There's no real constraint on time. Your contract is based on hourly. So the longer they work, the more they get paid. If you've only got that in your baseline, if your contract is just like, just to go work for me, whatever hours I'll pay you, then it may not incentivize them to ever really wrap up. That This is honestly an issue sometimes in, in industry. So what you can do, and I'm not going to get into this because there's a much more complex contracts that you can do. But with a time and material, you, your contract becomes a little bit more complex because you want to protect the downsides of that type of contract. So you may want to say, okay, it's time and material, but it's capped at this. Or it's time and material. And after this many hours, this is the kind of structure we're going to move toward. There's ways to work around this in the contract structure, but that just means you have to have a more complex contract and then therefore a more complex administrative process for it. So I hope you guys got something out of that. There's two types of contracts, very important in project management and definitely important if you're working with different types of vendors. Also important to note, these types of contracts, people enjoy working with them differently in different parts of the world. Middle East really enjoys fixed fee. Other parts of the world enjoy hourly, time and material. Different industries have their different like lawyers. They love hourly rate contracts. That's how they work. That's how they operate. So Every type of industry has their own thing that they enjoy. So that's something I would definitely dig into before you start looking into who you're going to sign up with and how. All right, that's all for this week. I'll see you next week here at the Omar Project. Have a good one. 
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to hear more, you can join us at theomarproject.com. That's O-M-A-R. We have a lot more information on project management, technical skills, on the leadership, and also you can hear from more of the top experts in the field.